your Bible to Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22. Uh, this morning, it is my purpose really to address the two graduates. I would like for you guys to follow along though, okay? I believe that what we're doing here this morning in addressing the graduates, what I'm doing this morning in, in addressing the graduates, is wanting them to understand that God understands what it is that you're getting ready to do. Um, I think it's important, I think it's important that we understand together, for some reason, for some reason, here in the United States of America, the idea of being a Christian means that you are settling for being slightly stupider than the average person. And I said stupider that way on purpose. That's what's going on. If you believe that there's a God, if you believe that Jesus is the Christ, then you can't really be that intelligent. Because if you were that intelligent, you would understand that these things simply are not true. But these things are true. Jesus is the Christ. There is a creator who's created all of these things. The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament showeth his handiwork. The things that are seen show us the things that are not seen. Very, very clear. There is zero, zero in higher learning that would take you away from the truth of God except for lies. Except for lies. That's the only thing that would take you away. When someone says something to you, as you get ready to go forward, when someone says something to you that, 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 that would cast doubt upon the Word of God, understand this, they do not know what they're talking about, and they have a motive for what they're saying. Years ago, when I was studying to be an engineer, I had someone say this, people believe their science not because of knowledge, but because of their sin. In other words, they want to reject a God that they do not want to be accountable to, and so therefore they excuse him, and they want anything that they can so that they could pretend. And it really is like an eight-year-old pretending that God is not there. And I just want to see this. I'm not going to spend a great deal of time on this this morning. I want to read a passage. It begins in Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 through 40. Matthew 22, beginning in verse 34. And what happens here, well, let you, let's, let's just read what it says. Matthew chapter 22, beginning in verse 34. But when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. And one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for what you're doing in our lives, Lord. I thank you for what you're doing in these two young graduates' lives. Lord, I ask you that you'd bless. Lord, there are so many in our church who are just reaching the age of graduating from high school, who are just reaching the age of graduating from college, who are just reaching the age of beginning their new life. And Father, all we want for them, all any of us, 
want for them is the truth. That's all we want for them. That they would know the love of Christ, that they would walk in that love, that they would have the wisdom that you want them to have, and that it would come not from what someone would say, not even what I would say, but that it would come from what you say to them. We thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I'm not going to read Mark chapter 12 or Luke chapter 10, both of which make similar references to this. The Lord Jesus doesn't simply teach. He's not asked this question once. He's asked questions like this multiple times. And the, when the reason for the question, you already saw, they asked him this, tempting him. What they wanted to do was to find out the Lord Jesus was going around and preaching a gospel of love a gospel of forgiveness, a gospel of salvation. And what they were doing is they were thinking, well, there are all of these laws in the Old Testament that tell us don't do this and don't do that, do this and do that. So what does he think about those? And so they ask him, well, what about what, what of the law itself? Which law is most important? And so what he says is this, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. Heart, soul, and mind. Do you know why the law was given? Do you know why the law was given? The law was given because of transgression. This is a really important fact. The law was never given to justify us. The law, listen, this is all God ever wanted. That we would know his love, that we would love him, and that we would love each other. That's all God ever wanted. That was what we were created for. That we would know the love of God, that we would love him, and that we would love each other. And because we refused to do that, because we refused to love one another, God said, and this is, the Bible says this, the law was given because of transgression. Transgression means this. Because you and I would not love each other like he wanted us to, he said, I'm going to make some rules. But do you know why he made the rules? By the way, let me make a specific point. When the Pharisees are arguing with the Lord Jesus about being able to put away their wives, about being able to divorce their wives. Jesus said that they were not supposed to do this, that they were supposed to love their wives, that they were to remain with their wives. And, and they said, but Moses gave us a bill of divorcement. In other words, Moses allowed us to have a bill of divorcement, which means I could write down how I was going to take care of this woman. I was going to get rid of her, but I was going to take care of her, and she would have financial compensation for the rest of her life, and Moses allowed us for that. And this is what his answer was. Because of the hardness of your hearts, that law was given. Do you understand what it means? Because you would not love your wives... And God said, you can't just put her away. She has to be taken care of. So if you're going to put her away, which was never God's intent. Do you understand? Selfishness was never God's intent. Love was always God's intent. Always. And he says, I'm going to make rules to limit just how much you can hurt each other. So when he says here, what is the greatest commandment? And he says, thou shalt notice this. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like to it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. If we'll just do that, that's it. The end of the commandment, the goal of the commandment, the goal of all of the assembling together, the goal of, the, of, of what we would call the bylaws of a church, the constitution of a church, the goal of all of our preaching and teaching, the goal is the love that God wanted us to have from the beginning, that we would selflessly lay down our lives 
for one another. That we would love not only each other, but that we would love those that do not love us, right? The Lord Jesus taught us to what? Love your enemies. To love our enemies. And you say, but I don't have the power to do that. That's okay, because the Holy Ghost does. And the Holy Ghost is the gift of God living within each and every one of us to do within us what we cannot do ourselves. This is what God wants us to understand. Now, I don't, this, this is not the purpose of my message this morning, but in order to get to it, I had to be able to show you that passage. Now, in Proverbs, you don't have to turn there, but in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, we read this. Keep thine heart with all diligence. For out of it are the issues of life. You guys might remember that. I hope you remember that because it was just a couple of nights ago. At their graduation, the commencement speaker used this verse. Keep thy heart, and he preached it very well. Greg Gray, if you can get a copy of the, uh, of the sermon from the graduation Friday night at Tabernacle, you should. It was a tremendous blessing. Keep thine heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. But what I wanted you to notice in the verse that I just read was that we are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all our soul, and with all of our mind. And since you've already heard about your heart, what I want to do is spend just a couple of moments this, mor- this morning looking at your mind. Because what you're getting ready to do is go and feed your mind. You're going to go embark on probably at least four years of education where you're going to be learning a great number of new things, and you should do that. Do you understand? So what I'd like you to do, if you'll turn in your Bible to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 6 through 10. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 6 through 10, and we'll look at that for just a moment this morning. Second Timothy chapter 1, beginning in verse 6 and running through verse 10. Paul, speaking to a young man, a young Timothy, he says, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who hath saved us, And called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. But was now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Now, what I I just want you to notice this with me. In verse 6, it says, Stir up the gift. Of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. You guys, on uh, Friday night, uh, you were addressed on behalf of the teachers that have spent a great deal of time in your life caring. You know, um, one of the students, one of the either the salutatorian or the valedictorian, made reference to almost every teacher that taught every subject that he that he took. It was it was long, but anyway. <laughs> But the point that he was making was he was thankful. And, he was, and he, one of the things that he commented is, you'll notice that I took multiple classes with some of these teachers because they cared enough to continue to teach. And this is important. Now, I, well, look at this. It says, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance 
that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. What you have right now, people have invested in your life to have what you have right now. Your parents have invested a great deal in both of you. Your, your church family has invested a great deal in both of you. Your school invested a great deal in both of you. Your friends have invested a great deal in both of you. And it really does matter. It really does. But notice what it says after this in verse 7. For God has not given us the spirit of fear. I don't know how you feel about that first day on your new campus. You know, both of you guys are going, you're going a long way away. You're not going so far away, but you're still going to a new place, a different place. Now, I don't know if you have any friends where you're going. I know you are going to have some friends where you're going, and that will make a little bit of a difference. But when you get there, notice this. God has not given us the spirit of fear. Notice what he says, but of power. Now, this is, this is, this is the idea that God has given you already a confidence that he wants you to carry with you when you go. It says, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Honestly, if you can, if you can walk on campus and say, I have the power of God, the love of God, and the sound mind that God has given me so that I could come here and go on growing in grace and in knowledge. No matter what else you're going to study, honestly, whatever you're going to study, study it, be great at it, be the best you can be at it, be better than anybody else at it. There's nothing wrong with that. Again, I do not understand why Christians are asked to be humble as if humble means you can't do well. You can do well. You just can't be arrogant about it. You just can't think you're better than other people. But let me say this. If you're going to be great at whatever it is God called you to do, then it is a giftedness that he gave you that allows you to do that. You understand that, right? You guys play sports. You guys play sports and you play them well. Well, you understand that you can do some things physically that other children just can't do physically because you were physically gifted to be able to do that. And if your minds are gifted, then that's a gift from God also. If you're able to go and study and be able to reach these things that you would like to be able to be involved with and even excel in those things, pray. God, but praise God. Do you understand? Acknowledge that God is the reason that you're able to do these things and go on and do them well. But again, notice this, not in a spirit of fear. You don't have to go and be afraid because you love the Lord Jesus. You don't have to go. And let me say this. If you really think that you have to go to school and you have to, quote unquote, walk quietly about the fact that you know the Lord Jesus Christ, then you don't have the, the power that he wants you to have because he doesn't want you to be afraid. He doesn't want you to be a chip-on-the-shoulder jerk. He simply wants you to love the people that you're around and tell them how great he is so long as you really know how great he is. He doesn't want any of us to pretend. He doesn't want any of us to go around and, and act as if God is one thing and when in our hearts we're not sure that he is. If you're not sure, talk to God about it. Because I promise you, God is greater than you understand that he is. And he wants all of us to be very, very much aware of this reality. Notice what it says after this. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner. Now what had happened is the Apostle Paul is actually in jail for being a follower of Christ. And I believe that Timothy was concerned about this. I believe that Timothy was somewhat aware that the same things that happened to Paul are very likely to happen to those who will follow Jesus the same way Paul followed Jesus. Now, I don't think anybody in this room misses the point that you can believe anything in America right now except the gospel, right? You're free to be whatever you want to be except for a Christian. 
You're not free to be a Christian in the United States of America. Now, quote unquote, legally you're free, but we all know that Christians are small-minded, petty, insignificant, and ignorant people. So why would you want to be one of those? This is how Hollywood portrays it. This is how universities portray it. This is how uh, politicians portray it. This is how Christianity is viewed in America right now. And I'm sorry, I'm sorry that this is true. You know what makes me most disappointed? That there's any reason that it would be able to be said honestly. Because there are small Christians. There are not only ignorant Christians, there are mean-spirited Christians. But listen, this is not who Jesus is. And this passage makes it very clear. Both of these passages, the first one makes it very clear that what God wants for us is that we would know His love, that we would love Him, and that we would love each other. This passage makes it very clear that what God wants you guys to walk in is, is a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and of a what? Sound mind. He wants you to know. God wants you to know. Now listen, the Bibles that you have, open them and read them and study them. If you have any questions, ask God. God isn't, you know, one of the things that surprises me is a lot of people, a lot of people who are uh, Christians feel as if there are things in their Bible that they have to, uh, they don't understand them, but they're afraid to ask God about them because they're afraid of what the answer might be. God's not afraid of any of your questions, none of them. God loves you and wants tremendously good things for you. If you read a passage and you say, this looks like it, God might be, might be restricting this in my life. I kind of like this in my life. Talk to him about it. If God is restricting that, whatever that is, he's restricting it for a good reason. In other words, he's not taking something away from you that's good for you or something that you'll even actually enjoy in the long run. Anything that God would take away from you is not good for you. And God is not interested in taking good things away from you. Do you understand? He wants you to have joy and peace, goodness, meekness, temperance. He wants these things to be the everyday fruit of your life. So let them be the everyday fruit of your life. Don't be, don't be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord. And don't be ashamed of those that you know that are. Uh, by the way, let me say this. If you get nothing else out of this, wherever you're going, make friends. Make friends that love Jesus. Whatever your circle of friends is, make sure they love Jesus. If they don't love Jesus, they shouldn't really be in your circle of friends. They really shouldn't. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't spend time with them. You understand what I'm saying? You're going to have people in your classes. You're going to, if you're involved in sports, you're going to have people that are in your circle that don't know the Lord Jesus, and you're there to be a light to them. Do you understand? But your friends, those that you're close to, those that are your confidence, those that you lean on and that lean on you, make sure they love the Lord Jesus Christ because you're going to need their encouragement and they're going to need your encouragement because you will suffer the uh, onslaught that we see in the next passage. Turn with me for just a moment to Romans chapter 1. This is a terrible passage, by the way. And I say this is a terrible passage. What it's going to reveal is some terrible, terrible things. You are, going to, you are going largely into a selfish and wicked world with too many people with a reprobate mind. And we're going to talk about that. Turn in uh, Romans chapter 1, verses 16 to 32. I'm going to read an extended passage. I'm not going to make a lot of comments on it, but I want you to see it in its context. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. For I am not ashamed, right, this is we end of this, don't be ashamed. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. 
For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. Now this is important. God is making it very clear that everyone can know God. The, the, in John chapter 1 it says, Jesus lighteth every man that cometh into the world. By conscience and by creation, everyone can know. And what God is going to say, you'll see what God is going to say, is that in order for them to believe what they believe, they have to hold back the truth. For the verse, look what it says in uh, um, verse 19. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath shown it to them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools." And change the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, and to birds, and to four-footed beasts, and creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to the uncleanness, through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie, and worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen." For this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one towards another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind, to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Now, I'm not going to go through that list again. Isn't that a terrible list? I mean, honestly, isn't that a terrible list? When you, when you read it, when you read it in a public setting like this, it almost makes you feel bad to read the list that we just went through. This is such a terrible, terrible thing. But where does this come from? Where do all of these things, right? Where do you want to start, right? Verse 29, being filled with all unrighteousness. And it goes on and on and on and on and on. How did they get to those things? And the answer is all the way back in verse 25, who changed the truth of God into a lie. They reject God himself, and this is where we end up. Now, by the way, if you think that this passage is overstating what the world is like, did you read the news yesterday? Did you see what happened again, again, over in England yesterday? People running around shouting in the name of Allah and just killing people, just stabbing everybody, running people over. This is absurd, is it not? Is it not absurd? 
Is it not absurd that we live in a nation that would, listen, that would reject the God who says, I love you, I love you, and I want to rescue you from you and from each other. I want to give you a completely different and wonderful life. I want to so work in your life that people will see my love in you and that they will be drawn to it. Isn't it? I mean, it's so incredible what God has done for us and is doing in us. Amen? It's wonderful. But see, you're going to go, when you, when, you, when, you're, when you go to work, every one of us, when you go to work every day, when you go out into the world, you go into an environment that is largely like this. But don't be ashamed. You don't have to be ashamed. Again, remember what God wants you to have. What he wants you to have is the spirit of what? The power of power, right? The spirit of power, a sound mind, and the spirit of what? Love. Power, love, and a sound mind. That's all he wants for you. Do you understand? Go to class. Do great in class. Be kind to your, to, your, to your fellow students. Be respectful to your teachers. Go. Learn. Learn everything you can. Learn it well. Learn it really well. And don't be afraid that when you go into an environment where you find an awful lot of this is going on, just understand how they got there. They got there by saying no to God. Maybe you can be the vessel that God would use to help them to say yes to him instead of to continue to say no to him. But you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be ashamed because that's not what God wants for you. But he doesn't want you to go and, and say, I go to church, therefore I'm better than you. Well, you're not. None of us are better. None of us are, have our own righteousness. The only righteousness any of us have is the righteousness that was given us because of the Lord Jesus Christ laying down his life for us. That's why we, why do we love Christ? Because he first loved us and he and he commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners while we were these people right this is exactly what i was like before jesus saved me i was just like this before jesus saved me and he saved me and you can go wherever god would have you to go you can be the young lady and the young gentleman that god would have you to be that they might not see the darkness anymore that they might see the light in your life but i promise you the difference is going to be that spirit of love that spirit of power, when you're not ashamed, when you don't have to be afraid, when you don't walk in arrogance, if you understand what I'm saying, but you walk in love, where you have the sound mind, where you say, ah, but what the Bible says about that is this. When you can talk to them out of your own Bible, again, not to argue with them, not to prove you're better than they are, just to help them to understand what God would have them to know. Amen? Lastly, lastly, turn in your Bible, if you would, to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. We're talking about the mind. So please take this passage with you. Philippians chapter 2. Verses 2 through 16. It's an extended passage, and I know it is, but I really have been finding more and more as I, especially when I'm preaching on a topic, I think it's more important that you see a lot of what the Bible says than a lot of what the preacher says. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 16. So here we go. This is the verse, right? Let this mind be in you. Let this mind be in you. He wants you to have a sound mind. And what does that look like? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. So look up here for just a moment. Whatever, God, whatever giftedness God has given you, you don't have to be ashamed of that. Do you understand? It's not humble to pretend 
you don't know something that you do know. Do you understand? Whatever you learn, whatever God gives you, you can be great at what you're going to do, be great at what you're going to do. Do you understand? This makes it very clear. The Lord Jesus Christ was not thinking about himself highly to be equal with God because he happened to be equal with God. Well, you're not equal with God. I'm not equal with God. But the passage is making it very clear. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. It's okay to know the giftedness that God has given you. It's okay. You should know it. It's one of the things about being wise, having an understanding, knowing what you do know, knowing what you don't know. You have to know what you know. You have to know what you don't know. You have to even learn what you can't learn. Do you understand? How many of you had to learn that? Right? There are certain things that you didn't know. You tried to learn it and you said, ah, I'm just going to let that go. I don't think I'm ever really going to understand that. Now, some of you don't understand that you just know everything. But for the rest of us, you'll find that there are things you just don't know. And you've got to know your own limitations because God did not give all of us all of the giftedness. You understand? He purposes that every one of us would have strengths and weaknesses in our lives. And so know what they are, but understand that it is not robbery to be thankful and do a good job with the giftedness that God has given you. And as you go and study, learn. Learn and do well in it. There's nothing wrong. In fact, it's great that you would do that. Be really good. You know, my desire for each one of you is that you would go so far forward in whatever field God has called you to that you'd be the one that would be making decisions for others so that the decisions that you would make would be good for them. Do you understand? Because God knows we've got a lot of people making decisions that aren't good for anybody right now. We need people who know the grace of God, who know the love of God, who are not ashamed of the Lord Jesus and would be able to help others by saying you don't have to be ashamed of the Lord Jesus. It's okay here when you work where I work. It's okay to talk about the Lord Jesus. So notice what it says after this. So after, after him not being robbed because he knows what God has given him and the fact that he is God, but in verse 7 it says, but made himself of no reputation, don't make yourself of any reputation. Do you understand? Don't worry about your reputation. Just be the person God would have you to be. I promise you, everything will take care of itself. If you'll do what God would have you to do, whatever he wants your reputation to be, he will give you that reputation. Don't make yourself of any reputation. Do you understand? Don't feel like, oh, I feel like I'm being slighted. I probably need to speak up so that I can get my due. Don't. God will give you, and even if you feel like it looks like I lost out, or you didn't lose out anything, when God, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Just do the part that he would have you to do. So notice what it says, and made himself of no reputation, and took, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became, and this is kind of an important word, obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Is it okay, listen, listen, this is a really important question. Is it okay to be excellent and obedient at the same time? And the answer is it is. And by the way, you both play sports, so you understand that. In sports, it is okay to be excellent and yet still listen to the coach and do the part that he tells you to do instead of the part that you would choose to do. Do you understand? Because what happens when you have a coach is you mean I have one person, one man or one woman, who's overseeing this team who understands what we're trying to accomplish as a, as a group and I'm to take my part in that. Do you understand? So what God is saying to you here is this. It's okay to be excellent at your part but be obedient unto the head and let him be the one that directs your life. So you do your part, but understand you're not the one in control. Just like you weren't in control on the sports team that you were on, God is the one that's in control of your life. Your life as a husband, as a wife, as a family, God is the one that's in control of these things. Let him be. He's going to do a far better job than you are. He is the captain of our salvation. Let him be the captain of your salvation. All the time let him be the captain of your salvation, but do your part well. Whatever part he gives you to do, do that part well. 
And it says, and become obedient, obedient to him, even unto the death, the death of yourself, the death of the cross. Every day, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him. And it says, wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name. That in the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven, and of things in earth, and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father." You live your life that way, continually confessing, listen, without any shame, Jesus Christ is Lord, knowing that God has not given you the spirit of fear, and you don't have to be ashamed. It's okay to go and do what God has called each and every one of you to do. It's okay to go to work tomorrow, wherever you're going to go to work tomorrow. Go to work and be the best, quote-unquote, employee, whatever it is you're doing. Go and be that person that God would have you to be and give him all the honor. Give him all the glory. Let him rule in your life. You guys, listen, there's so much ahead, <laughs> there's so much ahead of you. You guys have any idea what you don't know right now. Amen? Right? Anybody? Here's the thing. I think it was said on Friday night, everybody you know is about to give you counsel and advice. And here's the irony. You can't take it all in, and yet you probably need every single bit of it. Because what you don't know, you don't know that you don't know. And what God wants to make clear to you is this. Just take his word with you. Let him be the captain of your life. Whatever it is that comes next, so long as you walk with God in it, it will be wonderful. Do you understand? This is what he wants you to make clear for you. If you go down to verse 13, go down to verse 13, and we'll close with this. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. It is God that works in you to do these things. Now the verse before this says, listen, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Again, recognize there should be no arrogance in your life. There has to be a humility in your life. There has to be a reverence for God all the time in your life. And so as you do this, understand that God, God is the one that's working in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure by leading you in your lives as he takes you forward. Okay? Father, thank you for giving us these couple of minutes uh, together this morning. I thank you, Father, for your love to us. I thank you, Lord, for what it is that you have in plan for both of these young people. Father, I pray that they know you. Lord, I know they both profess to know you. And Lord, I know that many people at that age profess to know you and didn't. So Lord, I'm not saying they don't, but I hope they do. Lord, and as they walk with you, Lord, may they walk in the light as you are in the light. May your word fill their heart and lives. Lord, thank you for this time, this, this time of graduation for their family, extended family that's coming to town to be with them. Lord, bless them. Bless their afternoon. Bless, I believe that uh, some of them will be driving, some of their family will be driving back. Lord, watch over and keep them all safe. Thank you for all of these things. Thank you for your love in our lives. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.